Welcome to the Second Success Podcast by Dr. Rakesh Rana, the Clear Coach. Getting clear on the mindset for repeatable success. Hello and welcome to the Second Success Podcast. I'm Dr. Rakesh Rana, the Clear Coach, and I'm very excited about today's podcast. In fact, uh, the nervousness I had on my first podcast, I'm probably at the opposite end today in terms of this, the excitement that I've got with this podcast. The reason being, I've got an absolutely wonderful guest on today. Um, you'll get to hear me say it when I'm talking to her, but um, she and along with another guy that I still want to get on my podcast were one of the reasons this podcast came into being. And um, I'll explain later and you'll get to hear all about it. But suffice to say, I have on with me today Dr. Rana El Kalubi. She is an AI scientist uh, and an author. And uh, I will talk about her more shortly. But suffice to say, to have her on my podcast today is a great lesson in persistence and perseverance. I've known Rana, well, I've known of her for nearly six years now uh, from her, one of her first TED Talks that she did. And I was very interested in emotion AI and face recognition technology that she talked about. And that's the technical geek in me, I guess. Uh, and then with her having released a book last year, Amazing Read, uh, I reached out to her. We have remained in touch. And when I started my podcast, I wanted to have her on pretty much immediately, probably as one of my first guests, but uh, couldn't couldn't be due to obviously her busy schedule, running her company, running her business uh, and having her life uh, across the other side of the Atlantic in the US. So, but finally managed to get her on and it was about persistence. It was about persevering and being consistent and not giving up. So great example to anyone. Now, if you want something, go for it keep going. Uh, don't let any um, setbacks or challenges deter you. Find a way and uh, go for your goals. A pioneer in emotion AI and an AI thought leader, machine learning scientist Dr. Rana El Kalubi is co-founder and CEO of Affectiva, an MIT spin-off and author of the book Girl Decoded, a scientist's quest to reclaim our humanity by bringing emotional intelligence to technology. A passionate advocate for humanising technology, ethics in AI and diversity, Rana has been recognised on Fortune's 40 Under 40 list and as one of Forbes' top 50 women in tech. Rana is a World Economic Forum Young Global Leader and a Young President's Organisation member and co-hosted a PBS Nova series on AI. She holds a PhD from the University of Cambridge and a postdoctorate from MIT. Her book Girl Decoded was released around a year ago and I must admit it was probably one of my favourite books of 2020. Not only is it an insight into the growth of emotion AI and facial recognition, but it's also a lovely autobiographical story of a young woman's push against societal norms and moving from her home in Egypt to the UK to study and to go further afield to study and start up her own company in the US, along with the various challenges she faced and overcame. A book I would recommend to anyone. Uh, and this podcast now coincides with the release of her book in paperback. So if you haven't read it yet, I suggest you go and find a copy and take a read. Until then, let's hear from Rana talk a little bit about her journey into business, the importance of mentors, and what she considers key in her move from academia to running her own business. Hello, Rana, and welcome to the Second Success Podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's brilliant. I, and I've got to say, and I probably didn't tell you this before, uh, this podcast is around in part because of you. So during lockdown last year, obviously, you know, having read your book around this time last year, Girl Decoded, and having known of your work before that, I think as the summer progressed and as I followed you more and more, it was, I was thinking of a podcast. I didn't know what to do. And I thought, well, who would I even have on? 
and it was yourself and this one other particular person I know this gentleman I thought do you know what I would love to interview them and actually the reason I would love to interview you is because of the transition you made uh, having I think my background is very similar to yours in terms of how we, we studied both did a PhD and everything and how then you went into business and I kind of went in a different direction. It was almost like that. If I'd done what you'd done, where would my life be now? So that's the way I saw it. And that's why you were an inspiration for this podcast, the second success, because I see you having achieved on the outside and the perception, these second triple successes. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for sharing that story. I mean, we've connected for the good part of a, a year now. And I didn't know about that. So I, I feel very honored and humbled. Thank you. Well, that's why I'm so happy to get you onto the podcast at last. So you're the inspiration behind it almost. So, uh, uh, so you know, having written a book, having studied to the level you studied at and having grown a company to the level it's at with multiple patents and the success and obviously having all the staff and obviously being a parent, you, I've, I've got to ask you, what's your biggest challenge? Um, I think the biggest challenge has been, and can, well, one big challenge is, is overcoming kind of the voice of, of doubt within my head. Why am I not doing more? Why am I not having a broader impact? Like there's always this internal narrative that I could be bigger and better. Mm -hmm. um, so I struggle a lot with that. And I've had to, you know, learn how to tamed that voice in my head over the years. Um, so I would say that's one one challenge for sure. Okay. And do you think that that hits all areas of your life? So being a, whether it's professionally or personally? Yes, it's there all the time. So, you know, as a parent, I'm not doing enough for my kids. And as a CEO, <laughs> I'm not doing enough for my team. And as a leader, I'm not doing enough for the society, you know, <laughs> um, as an author, I maybe should have done, you know, it's always like, of course. It's, it's kind of, yeah, it's it's interesting. And those, I guess, that see you from the outside, what would they say to that? Well, um, usually when I when I share with people that I have this kind of voice of, of doubt, people's responses are like, are you kidding me? Like, you're super successful, da, 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 da. And, and, and I appreciate that. Um, yeah, it just, uh, and, 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 and to be fair, I've, I've, I've kind of developed some mechanisms to, to, um, to have a conversation with myself, right? So how do, how do I take this voice of doubt and turn it into a positive energy? Mm -hmm. So um, I journal a lot. So, okay. and I use that as an opportunity to almost have a rebuttal with myself, right? Yep. Um, but, but I also, you know, I, I, I don't know, like I don't fight it as much anymore and I talk about it openly, right? Like just being vulnerable and acknowledging that, that yeah, I have, you know, that is definitely something I, I have to kind of think about and, mm -hmm. and, and just getting, seeking advice and share experience sharing with others. I, I found that to be very helpful too. No, of course. I, when I'm working with my clients, they're always so much inside their head. The one thing I always say to them, look, get it out, whether that's down on paper, write it out. It does help to journal, doesn't it? I mean, a lot of people don't grasp the idea because it's not a known entity straight away. They can't translate that. How can putting my thoughts down on paper actually help? But it's one of those things that you need to practice. It's incredible. Um, I've been now journaling for uh, almost 10 years. And I use an app called Day One. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. I highly, highly recommend it. It's one of my favorite apps of all time. And I can now go back to these super challenging times in my life where I was navigating transitions. And I can look back at my emotions. I can kind of 
but I also can celebrate the fact that I survived it, right? And I emerged from these experiences like stronger. So I, I highly recommend journaling. Yeah, I do. To be honest, like I said, I recommend it. But I'm always writing, jotting notes down, but that to make it into an app format, I'm going to have to take a look at that actually. So, so Rana, one thing I want to ask you in terms of business, I mean, a lot of the people that listen into this podcast are either my family members because they have to listen to it or people that are interested in business or are entrepreneurs themselves. You were, I guess, when you were studying and you were at MIT and doing your research, you were presented an opportunity and you had a mentor who kind of said, well, why don't you do this? And I know you're a strong mentor and that's something that you advocate highly. If you don't have a mentor, what would you recommend to somebody who may want to venture out and get a business or start a business? First of all, if you have a conviction and you believe in something, you should absolutely go do it. Um, but I have found in my career that, that mentors have played a very important role in supporting my journey and, and almost acting as a cheerleader um, but, but, and, and providing this tough love, right? So um, yeah, and, and so one of my favorite mentors, if you like, is Professor Rosalind Picard at MIT. She sponsored me, right? So she kind of took a risk uh, with this like young Egyptian woman and brought me over to MIT. And later we co-founded Affectiva together. So, so I, I look up to her, but I also know that, you know, that she has my back. Um, and then just, you know, throughout my, my entrepreneurial journey, I've met a lot of people who I've resonated with. I think it's important when selecting a mentor that you find somebody who shares your core values, right? I think that's really key, regardless of what industry they're in, um, yeah, or where they're at with their career. But I think having this, somebody you click with, is really key. And so I have a number of these people around me who I go to for mm -hmm. advice, for, for support when, when I, when I need this little bit of a nudge, mm -hmm. um, I know that they're there. And, and, and I'm quite glad that you said it's mentors, not just a mentor. It's having mentors in different aspects because you're going to learn something different from each one, I guess. Absolutely. And, you know, I know you and I are big fans of Adam Grant and he calls it your personal board of advisors. So that's the way I think about it. Like they each bring something different to the table. Um, and I have a slightly different relationship with each of them. Mm -hmm. um, there's probably five or six of, of these individuals um, that I've kind of developed a relationship with over the years. And you know what? It's, it's, it's a two-way relationship. That's the thing about mentorship too, right? Like with my mentees, I learn something every time I connect with my mentees and, um, and I feel that I take pride in being part of their journey. So I, I feel like I get something out of it as well. And it's important to, to know that in your relationship with your mentor. I guess um, some entrepreneurs I've spoken to, and you know, they've always advocated mentors. And the, the challenge sometimes it can be, it's like you said, first of all, you've got to find somebody, somebody that you click with, but also have they got the bandwidth to mentor you? And then and, and, and it is sometimes a case of, well, they can't waste their time. Time is valuable. So how do you make sure that the person you want to be mentored by will mentor you? You ask, right? You ask. Um, I think you also come to it with, with authenticity. You build a relationship. It can't just be, you know, you reach out to somebody and you just want to ask questions and take, take, take. You have to be, you have to be giving in the relationship as well. Yeah. You have to cultivate it. Um, and you have to ask. You have to, you, you know, you have to take the first step. Mm -hmm. um, for a number of years, I, I had these mentors, but I but I was reluctant to reach out 
for questions or for advice okay. uh, until this one particular mentor of mine basically said, yeah, let's, you gotta seek advice. You gotta ask for help when you need it. And, and he also made it a point whenever I call him, he's a serial entrepreneur and investor. So I would often call him when I was in the middle of a financing round and I wanted advice. He would always start every conversation by saying, before we dive into business, how are you doing? And I would say, oh yeah, the company's, and he was like, not the company. How are you, Rana, doing? Yeah. Um, and that that's always stuck with me. He, he, he's, he's, you know, a true mentor is interested in your well-being, of course. Um, not uh, not just your business or your professional life. And so you said, you know, it took you a while to be able to ask, and we see that in the industry a lot. Um, I know you're a big advocate of having females in IT and in, in that industry, and having spent so many so many years in in industry myself, we see it especially with people. They don't ask; they just assume they're going to get given something. Uh, and it's those that end up asking, which unfortunately history has shown it's men that tend to have asked before a woman will. You know, there's some statistic that men can be only need to be 50 percent right that they can do something, whereas a woman needs to be 100 percent right. But I guess that's some self-doubt that you've overcome. You just go out and ask now. You don't have that fear. Um, I've had to navigate that, too. I when I, I talk about this particular story in my book, when we started Affectiva, I was the chief technology officer of the company even though it, you know, it was my core technology and, and Roz Picard, the MIT professor, who's my co-founder and myself, we hired a CEO to run the company. And he was CEO between 2010 to 2013 when he decided to move on. So the question became, alrighty, who's gonna be the next CEO? Um, and a few members of our board said, Rana should be, it's her baby, it's her technology. And I remember thinking, I've never been CEO before. And I just had so much fear, like I was just afraid to fail. And so I did not take the job. Now, our head of sales, who had only been with the company for like a year or a year and a half at that point, he basically said, I'll do it. And he became the CEO for, you know, he became the CEO until 2015. I had this aha moment that, wow, I was doing the job. I was raising money for the company. I was the face of the tech category, artificial emotional intelligence. I was hiring the team. I was very close to our customers and our product. So I, with the nudge of my mentors, this was a great example of where my mentors came in. They, a few of them said, you ought to visualize becoming the CEO. You need to be the CEO. And, and, and you know, they nudged me towards that journey. And I mustered a lot of my courage and essentially self-advocate. Well, first I had to convince myself that I was ready. And once I did that, it was kind of a, a much easier sell to our board and, and uh, you know, our investors. So um, the, the lesson learned there is don't be your own biggest obstacle and definitely tap into, you know, your supporters to help nudge you along the way. Of course. So coming back to the business and starting it, one thing I find with entrepreneurs, there's so many of them, that they're great at starting businesses but not so good at continuing to execute and making them a success. So tell me your secret. Um, and then, no, because I'm truly interested, because this is the thing, and it's a big challenge, is people with great ideas, but they don't execute on them, or they do and they don't really last long, and they want to go on to the next idea. But you've had longevity now, and it's constant growth. So what's really driving you to keep succeeding, but also to grow? Where, where, where are the plans? Where, where is it going? Yeah, 
I mean, I think I'd say the conviction, I go back to like having a conviction and having faith in, in what you're doing, like really believing in where this can go. And I, I have this with, with, with humanizing technology, I can almost see like the end goal and we're not there yet. And so that continues to drive me, but I also recognize what I'm strong at and where I can be complimented. So I'm a strategic thinker. I'm a big thinker. Um, but I don't always have the patience for the details. And mm-hmm. so my, my COO, he is like the opposite, right? Like he loves attention to detail. He doesn't like being on the road and presenting and speaking, which I love to do. He's in the office, you know, he just makes sure that I, I'm the door opener and he like, he takes it all the way through to the finish line. So I think it's important to surround yourself with a team that complements your strengths, mm-hmm. whatever they are. Um, so that's been really key in, in, in my situation, um, but also having grit, like knowing that it's going to be tough and it needs time. And yeah, everybody can come up with an idea, but only few people are actually going to do the every day, you know, <laughs> what do you call it? Like the grind of the course, every the hustle day. And grind. Yeah, of course. Totally, totally. I mean, having done it for as long as you have, and obviously having the reliance on your team now that you've grown, how much of that is now? on the other staff rather than yourself or do you still are you still putting that much hustle and grind in oh yeah oh yeah there's a lot of hustle and grind every day well because because we need to execute on our current kind of roadmap Mm. um, and set of goals but i'm always looking on you know looking onto like what's next where are we going next with this and how can i bring everybody forward with us I, I also, because I have a background in, in the technology, I love geeking out on the data. Like, you know, my team will sometimes say, oh, we're about to release this new version of the product. And I'll literally go through all the face videos and all the accuracy results. And so I still enjoy that. I don't do it as much as I used to. Okay. Well, I, I think I opted in for one of the um, test ones for Ooh. an ad a couple of weeks back. So I don't know who gets to see it, to be honest, but... Uh, That's awesome. Yeah, I might end up uh, watching. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I must admit, I was so quite conscious because my eyes were going over and smiling and grin. So I thought, so I'm sure some great analytics, analytics were caught at that point. So uh, awesome. quite fun. Um, so where does the future lie for you in terms of this? I mean, do you have a big... Are you allowed to include, you know, disclose that information? But you know, where, where's life taking you, I guess, with this company? Um, so... Uh, Kind of in terms of what we're focused on at the company, we're spending a lot of time in the automotive industry, mm-hmm. uh, driving, uh, well, driving applications for driver monitoring, like distraction detection and drowsiness detection, and but also reimagining what the future of mobility looks like. So that's kind of taking a big part of my mind share. But beyond Affectiva and with, with the book out, um, I guess I've realized over the last year since the book has launched that I have a platform that's maybe broader than just running the company. I, I see myself as a steward for this technology and hopefully an inspirator or an inspiring yeah. person for, for people who are also trying to forge their path. You know, I grew up in the Middle East, came to the United States mm-hmm. as an adult. So I think of myself as a global citizen. And um, yeah, I, I feel like a lot of themes in my story are universal and 
hopefully resonate with. Of course, I think complete thought leader and inspiration. And uh, you know, I'm not embarrassed to say this because I said it to you the first time. Where I was fanboying the first time I got to speak to you. So you know, for me, you you are you're a huge inspiration to so many. And like you said, you you are, you you're able to cover so many areas. It's it's the it's the moving moving from a completely different country to somewhere else, creating creating a new home for yourself, starting a company. Uh, academically taking yourself to a level that most people don't even aspire to, you know, having a family. So there's so many areas that you're able to talk to, to a high level as well, which I think is fantastic and amazing. And, you know, I I obviously, you know, I've mentioned that I speak to uh, my daughter about you and your achievements and and your family. So, so it is, it's, it's a great story to tell. And you're right. There is so much that you're able to help others with. I think, I think it's a great, great place to be in and a great privilege to be in, I guess. It's an absolute privilege and a responsibility. I, I, I almost feel now with the book out and just having seen how people react to it, that it's it's incumbent on me to to use that for good. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah, and, and so I've been starting to think about, okay, well, what does that mean in terms of creating impact at scale and, and what can I be doing yeah to affect that so um, more of, so it goes open. back to what you were saying before what can we do what can I be doing more of totally. <laughs> so in terms of the book a question I've got to ask you if you were to revise the edition what would you add in now Ooh. um you know so the, so the book launched April 21st last year so we were right at the beginning of this pandemic and I think I've learned a lot over the last year, both in terms of, ironically, the technology, because we've spent the good part of the year interacting digitally with one another. So it ties really well into my work, but just about myself, right? And, and kind of taking a step back and assessing like what matters the most. I've built a lot of new friendships, including yourself over the last year, Um which I don't think I would have done if it was a normal year where I was just going around the world, like doing a, 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 a you know, book talks and book tours. So, um, so I think there would be a chapter at the end of the book that's about, okay, the pandemic and what does that mean for our empathy and emotional connection digitally and, and, and in the real world, I guess. For a lot of people, 2020 was awful. Uh, you know, and me personally as well, I, you know, it was um, quite a challenging, difficult year, both financially and, you know, just work-wise, it was terrible. However, it's probably one of the best years I've ever had in terms of personal development. There were so many, well, podcasts wouldn't have started if we hadn't right. had it. I wouldn't have been on video. I wouldn't have had so much uh, PR, you know, being featured on the radio and, and, and magazines and, you know, papers and stuff. It wouldn't have happened if I hadn't had to pivot my own, I guess, business in a way. So, I've got to see it as such a big positive, but you're right. But also that human element, as much as I used to socialize, get out as much as I did, you know, known for networking that mm. came to a stop. So how do I do it differently? And it was, it was through engaging, reaching out to people that I didn't think I'd be able to reach out to and using platforms that I didn't think I would. So it really opened up so much uh, and different opportunities to meet and speak with people. I think it's been brilliant. Yeah, which is which is amazing, right? Like the fact that you were able to kind of take a step back, expand your network, pivot, try new things. Like that's that's. I think we'll look at this time and it'll yeah. it'll feel like a lot of growth. Like I feel like last year has really humbled me, but I I feel like I've developed a lot. I've spent a lot of time with my kids that I wouldn't have otherwise, and I I, I cherish that as well. So yeah. So did, tell me honestly, did you really enjoy homeschooling though? <laughs> well so my kid so okay so my kids are a little older so my daughter is almost 18 and my son is 12 
Um, so thankfully I didn't have to like sit them in front of a zoom and baby, you know, babysit them through the whole learning from school, from home thing. Um, but, 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 uh, but I've enjoyed having dinner with them every day, which we typically don't do in a normal year and just like hanging out and they hear me on meetings. And so we often debrief about them afterwards. And so it's, it's been fun that way. Yeah, likewise. I think my kids are the same age as yours and uh, my daughter's had this newfound love of cooking. So thankfully, you know, we've had lunches cooked and dinners cooked for us. So that's been quite, quite. Totally same, by the way, which I love, cause I'm a terrible cook. You, you can't have everything in life. And I just like, I can't cook. <laughs> to save my life and, and my daughter has put that on and I'm like I'm good with that yeah no it works and it works so um so as we're coming out of the pandemic and the lockdown um how are things going to be different I mean obviously you said it was you're more in touch and everything but will will things be completely different now or what do you think you're going to start returning back to that as things were what's going to be the big difference you know, I, I don't want to return to life exactly as it was. I, I miss seeing people in person. I miss mm. traveling because I love traveling, but I don't want to go back. I mean, and life has been hectic, like, like you, because we talked about this. I am on Zoom meetings all day long. And like I work, it's not like I work less. I actually probably work more, but I don't want to go back. But, but I can still take a break where I go on my bike ride and, mm. and, and go for a walk. And, and, and I don't want to lose some of that. Um, I think what this pandemic has, has maybe taught us is the importance of empathy. Um, so I talk a lot about empathetic leadership and how, you know, as a leader within your organization or your community, it's so important to start with empathy and recognize that everybody's going through their own set of unique challenges. And you know, if you start sharing, people will reciprocate. Um, so, and then I think we're going to continue to see a lot of innovation with technology Yep. Um, in how we connect, in how we learn, with 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 health and mental health in particular. So I'm particularly excited about that. I want to see what kind of innovation comes out of um, this pandemic. Yeah, I must admit, I'm uh, very much looking forward to the traveling again. That's something I've uh, very much missed. And in fact, I think this time last year, I should have been in Miami, but that got cancelled at the last minute, you know, as, as we went into lockdown and the US stopped anybody from the UK entering. So uh, literally the week before. So uh, I think this year, let's see how things end up. I've had my first jab, so I'm waiting on my second one. And so that'll be interesting to see. Um, what I'd like to finish off with, Ronna, is what I tend to ask a lot of my guests is, what have they taken forward from previous successes to their second successes and I, I guess we haven't really talked about it in detail but for me looking from the outside in I've got to see your academic achievement and then becoming a successful businesswoman what did you take from academia that you know you hold on to what three attributes would you think that you held on to that really stood you well in business oh that's a great question I've never been asked that before First, just be a lifelong learner. I am an intellectually curious human being and I'm always learning. I'm always, you know, as a leader, I'm always learning. Um, number two is, you know, in academia, it's a very flat kind of world, right? There's mm -hmm. literally no hierarchy. And I've taken that with me to Affectiva. So of course we have a reporting structure and, and how we organize ourselves. But I tell my team, a great idea can come from anywhere and, and you should you should be, we're very inclusive that way. Like everybody has a voice and the voices are weighted equal. So I've definitely brought that over uh, from, from academia. And then the third one is, 
Um, innovation happens at the intersection of disciplines. I definitely learned that at MIT because I was at the media lab where we it was like a melting pot of people from all sorts of disciplines and backgrounds. Um, and so I think this diversity of thought is really important, especially for an AI company like ours. So I've, yeah. I've, I've kind of ported that idea with me um, to Appetiva as well. Oh, fantastic. Honestly, um, I know we're conscious of time and everything. I, I, there were so many other things I would love to have discussed. Even, you know, I remember when I was reading your book, your time at Cambridge, it's like you said, when you talk about the intersections, it's when you went and spoke to somebody else who had a whole load of data that you could use which actually opened up so many different doors and opportunities. So I can see the example straight there as well. So uh, yeah, maybe for another day, I'm sure. But um, Rana, I wanted to say a huge, huge thank you. One, for being an inspiration for the podcast and two, for finally managing, you know, obviously giving up your time to join me on the podcast as well. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for having me. And maybe we'll do a part two. Definitely. And that was Dr. Rana El Kaloubi. Inspirational and fascinating story uh, from her life in Egypt all the way to the US and I must admit I find that I resonate with a lot of her story and as I mentioned before if you've not read the book already I wholly recommend you go and read it uh, a very interesting story and tale indeed. Rana talked a lot about mentors and how key they've been in her development and her direction in where she's ended up and where she's headed and but not only that it's um having been mentored to also be a mentor and to give back and so it is a two-way street it is about not only always taking but giving also and some of the other guests I've had on I've also talked about this um, how key mentors can be and the challenges that can be are finding the right mentor and it was important and uh Interesting how Rana said that, you know, you've got to find the people that you click with, those that you think that could provide value. But in the end, you may find the right person, but why would they help you? Why uh, would they give that time? So it's ensuring that um, you create that relationship, build upon it, strengthen it, foster it, and make sure that uh, when the time's right, that not only are you taking something from it, but also giving back too. So this brings me to the end of today's podcast and I want to leave you with a clip from Factotum starring Matt Dillon. And in this particular scene, Matt Dillon's talking about in order to achieve your dreams and goals, you'll go through very challenging times, but you know, you've got to hold on. You just got to keep going. So I'll leave you with that. Hope you enjoy it. If you're going to try, go all the way. Otherwise, don't even start. This could mean losing girlfriends, wives, relatives, jobs, and maybe your mind. It could mean not eating for three or four days. It could mean freezing on a park bench. It could mean jail. It could mean derision. It could mean mockery, isolation. Isolation is the gift. All the others are a test of your endurance, of how much you really want to do it, and you'll do it, despite rejection and the worst odds, and it will be better than anything else you can imagine. If you're going to try, go all the way. There is no other feeling like that. You will be alone with the gods, and the nights will flame with fire. You will ride life straight to perfect laughter. 
It's the only good fight there is. Thank you for listening to the Second Success Podcast. I'm Dr. Rakesh Rana, The Clear Coach.